I would say that there is still a chance, a very good chance, in my opinion, that the that the truth, much of the truth will come out uh, if we keep fighting for it. And if it does, I think it has the the potential to completely reshape the world that we live in in a, in a positive way. Uh, there will be a lot of trauma. Uh, it will be maybe a difficult time politically. Uh, but I, I think overall it will result in a more skeptical uh, populace, um, which is a good thing. Um, and ultimately, I think in a more peaceful and just and, and democratic and free society. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is early September 2023, and as we approach the 22nd anniversary of the events of September 11th, 2001, I'm sure many of us in the audience are missing the voice of one warrior for 9-11 Truth that sadly departed from us earlier this year. I'm referring, of course, to Dr. Graeme McQueen. And, of course, you will remember from my episode 444 of the Corporate Report podcast, remembering Graeme McQueen, just what an incredible voice for 9-11 Truth that Graeme was and the incredible information that he helped to provide the 9-11 Truth movement. You might also remember from that episode 444 that it opened with a series of testimonials, the first one being from a Mr. Ted Walter, providing tribute to Gray McQueen and his legacy. Well, if you are missing Gray McQueen's voice at this particular time, I have a treat for you, specifically in the form of a documentary, a new documentary that is hosted and narrated by... Gray McQueen, an intriguing concept and one that, uh, well, we'll have to delve into in more detail. So joining us to do that today is none other than the aforementioned Ted Walter, who, in addition to being the executive director of the International Center for 9-11 Justice at IC911.org, is the director and producer of this new Gray McQueen-hosted documentary film, Peace, War, and 9-11. Ted Walter, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be with you. Excellent. All right. Well, this is your first time on the program, surprisingly enough. So I suppose as way of introduction, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you came into the 9-11 Truth space, and uh, tell us a little bit about this documentary. Yeah, so I'll I'll try to be brief with my background. I I actually lived overseas in high school, and I moved back to the U.S. in August of 2001, just two weeks before 9-11, and I uh, was starting at NYU. So basically, uh, 9-11 was my first day of real college classes, and um, uh, it basically colored my experience there, you know, very formative years. And, um, you know, I, w- I would say from the beginning, I had doubts in the back of my mind. Uh, I was kind of baffled that the to- that buildings would look like that when they came down, the way they just sort of disintegrated. I was also like s- struck by the fact that a plane actually reached the Pentagon, uh, like an almost an hour after the first uh, airplane strike. But I-, I didn't really like delve into these things too deeply for a few years um, until 2006. Although I sort of just kind of assumed after some time that the the powers that be let it happen. Um, but I really got into it in 2006. Uh, started reading all the scientific literature that was coming out at that time. Uh, Stephen Jones, Kevin Ryan, Watch Loose Change, and you know, uh, got very active from from 2006 to 2008. I got involved with the New York City 9/11 Ballot Initiative. Uh, I done many different things over the years. Most recently, I was at Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth for eight years, um, and I, I left at the beginning of this year. 
uh, to found this new organization, the International Center for 9-11 Justice, uh, which I could talk a little bit more about. Um, but over the last, I would say, seven or eight years, I, I, I worked uh, quite closely with Graham McQueen uh, on a number of projects. Uh, we did a handful of articles together. He was a reviewer on a book that I authored called Beyond Misinformation, which some of your viewers might be familiar with. So Graham and I became quite close over the years. And um, for the last couple of years, you know, he had cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer about four years ago. And about a year ago, he told me that his doctors told him that he only had months left to live. And I had been wanting to interview him. And so I asked him, do you want to do a, a long sit down interview? And, and then I could try to turn that into a film. Um, and it would basically just be, tell us your whole analysis of 9-11, of, of war, of peace, of the anthrax attacks, of all the things that he's studied deeply. Uh, and let's let's try to make this into a film and let this be sort of your departing message to the world. Um, and, and he went for it. And so I went up to Hamilton, interviewed him, uh, started working on the film while he was still around. He, he was with us until April, which is longer than we were expecting. Um, so it was fortunate, and he actually was very involved in in the the launch of this new uh, International Center for 9/11 Justice, which was, uh, you know, it was it was an honor to to still be working with him. It was it was a pleasure to be working with him for that long. Um, and then yeah, over the last few months, finished this film, and um, it's been it's been a joy and an honor, and I'm very excited for for people to watch it. Yes, well let's let's talk about it in a little bit more detail. So tell us a little bit more about the process of recording this interview with Graham and how you structured it, and then the final product, what uh, what will people see in this documentary? Yeah, so um, the interview, uh, you know, originally wanted to do it over a couple days, so as not to, so that it wouldn't be so taxing for him, uh, but just, you know, cost and budget and space availability, like, dictated that we had to do it all in one day, and so it was like a grueling seven or eight hours on a, on a stage. And, you know, he was physically struggling at that time. So it was just an incredible effort that he put forth to do the whole interview. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it was on, on a stage, a theater stage in, um, in Hamilton at a, at a local theater. Uh, and so it creates a really nice backdrop for the interview. And, and yeah, I just, you know, well, I had a lot of ground to cover in terms of looking at all the research that he'd done over the years, not only, you know, his book on the anthrax attacks, but all his 9-11 papers and all the, um, the essays that he'd written more recently in more recent years and wanting to cover all of that. So uh, we, we, we went through it all um, and had a wonderful crew. It was a lot of fun. Got to go to his house the next day, film there. So um, met his wife. Uh, and, and yeah, and then, you know, uh, from there, you know, I, I, I could go into some detail about the whole editing process. It, I have to, I have to credit one, I, there's a few people without whom this film would not have been made. You know, one of them is Graham and his, his willingness and generosity, obviously. And, and, uh, but all the effort he put forth, there's somebody who was helped a lot financially to make it happen. And many people contributed, but one person in particular. And then, um, Matt Campbell, the 9-11 family member, his brother-in-law jumped in to, to edit the film. And um, he did incredible work. And, you know, I think a lot of it is his love for, for Matt and how connect his personal connection to the issue that he really went above and beyond as an editor. So so we ended up with this 90 minute film, uh, which does a little bit of telling Graham's um, the story of his early life and where he's coming from and his sort of from a very early age, sort of instinctive dedication to peace. And, and that's really what the overall film is about is is the. In the message of the film is is to to try to abolish war, which is sort of Graham's um, his his mission in life uh, as much as he could. 
Uh, and so it looks at 9-11, it puts context, 9-11 in the context of of war, of you know what Graham calls war triggers. Um, this is not a novel idea for people like us who've been studying 9-11 and have been activists for a long time, for many of your viewers. Um, but he, Graham uh, articulates it in a very eloquent way, a very intellectually rigorous and compelling way. Um, you know, the idea of war is a system uh, that require, that's with us all the time in, in a cold or a hot phase uh, that encompasses everything. And so, but you need these war triggers to move from a cold to a hot phase. And usually these war triggers are either managed or manufactured. They don't just happen accidentally. And so 9-11 is the classic example of that. Uh, and so from there, he goes to talk about 9-11, all the research he did with the eyewitness, looking at eyewitness accounts of explosions in the towers and looking at um, drawing a little bit from research that he and I did together about how the narrative of what happened that day shifted throughout the course of the day. How was it that all these reporters who were talking about what they were witnessing on the scene were talking about explosions and yet by the end of the day, we had structural failure, Osama bin Laden, et cetera. And so Graham sort of narrates us through that through that transition um, uh, of how the official narrative was was developed that day. Uh, he then talks about the anthrax attacks and their connection to 9-11, the overlapping um, figures and, and characters and how, um, you know, the, that the anthrax attacks were kind of intended to uh, frame uh, al-Qaeda and uh, Iraq, Saddam Hussein, um, and but you know failed colossally uh, pretty quickly, uh, and so he goes. That's what his book is about. That was published in 2014, uh, the Anthrax Exception, and so he goes into that. Um, yeah, so that's that's it in a nutshell. Um, it's I think very very moving, um, and and really has the potential to reach a lot of people that that um, have had a harder time looking at 9/11 with, uh, with with open eyes with an open mind. So it's it certainly. Is excellent from a number of perspectives. One of which is that, of course, it does bring the gravitas of a professor like Dr. Gray McQueen and his and and frames it in terms of his life and his work and puts it in that context, which is a way I think it will get around the intellectual defenses that have been put up by various people around this issue. Also, yes, as you're speaking, it occurs to me what a monumental task it must have been to take all of this research and all of these different things that he has contributed to and to put it together and make it flow as a narrative. But having seen a screener of this documentary, I can say it does. It absolutely does flow from one to the next. The 90 minutes flies by. It's an extremely well well edited and well well thought out uh, documentary. So I can definitely appreciate it. I 100% recommend it. I think it's a great, a, a truly fitting uh, honor to the legacy of Dr. Gray McQueen. And for anyone who's interested in this subject in general, I think it's a great tool, as we say, for getting around the defenses specifically and certainly of academics and others who may have poo-pooed the conspiracy theorizing. I think this is a good way of breaking through those defenses. And I will note that apparently... This is even getting relatively fair treatment, even in more mainstream press circles. For example, uh, I note a Hamilton Spectator uh, review of Peace War and 9/11, which seems to be a fairly, fairly neutral review. It's not. It's certainly not making fun of those crazy conspiracy theorists. So uh, clearly, there. This uh, documentary is touching a chord. What kind of feedback have you heard from the people who have seen this movie so far? Um, all, all extremely positive, Very, you know, like you, uh, like that writer for the Hamilton Spectator, uh, you know, not, not a quote unquote conspiracy theorist, mainstream, you know, uh, journalist, uh, was very moved by the film and, and convinced, you know, so, uh, and, 
I've many many friends of Graham's have seen it. Um, in the last few days, Graham's family watched it and and really loved it. Was very moved by it. So I, you know, I, I have high hopes for, like you said, how how it can get around the defenses. I think it's very very well well tailored to do that to get around. Um, you know, to reach higher up, we you know beyond the low hanging fruit, uh, people that have had more trouble with it. Um, it's incredibly. I mean, it's very moving, and I, I you know, I. I to, to, to compare it to like a film that I did um, produce uh, some years back about Peter Ketchum, uh, the uh, former NIST employee, uh, that was only a half an hour. It was a sit down interview. Um, but there was a story, a personal story to go along uh, to go along with the, the message that he needed he needed to deliver uh, that just just heightened it emotionally. And if you can get if you if you can get that personal story in there enough, but not too much, uh, it really can, will open people up and, and make them you know, open their minds, open their hearts. And, and, and so that's what I think this film does. And it, everyone that's watched it has reacted in that way. Excellent. Well, as I understand it, by the time people are watching this conversation, the world premiere will probably be just about happening, or maybe happening in a few hours if you happen to catch this conversation early. But the New York premiere will be coming up. Tell us about these premiere events. Yeah, so uh, by the time people watch this, we will have had the world premiere in Hamilton, Canada, where where Graham lived and taught, uh, and you know we're expecting you know up to a couple hundred people for that. People that knew him went to McMaster, et cetera, um, just from the local um, the local anti-war community uh, knew Graham very well. So uh, that and all of the board members uh, of this new organization, the International Center for 9/11 Justice, will be coming as well. So Kevin Ryan, uh, Piers Robinson. David Chandler, Elizabeth Woodworth, James Gorley, Marilyn Langlois. Sorry to name them all. Um, once I named one, I felt like saying them all. So, um, and uh, I hope I didn't miss anybody. But yeah, so they will all be coming, um, which is the first time that I'm going to be meeting many of them in person, and and that's that's wonderful. Um, so yeah, so that'll be the first thing. Uh, the New York premiere, as you mentioned, is on Sunday, September 10th at six. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, 6 p.m. Uh, and so if anybody's near New York City, I encourage you to, uh, to come. We have not sold as many tickets for that. So hoping that we can get a big turnout right at the end. But that will be just two days after it has premiered online, as you mentioned, on Friday. Uh, first, it'll be coming out on Rumble on the channel of uh, Redacted, uh, which is uh, headed up by Clayton and Natalie Morris. And, uh, and, and they're releasing it to their audience first with a little um, sort of on a live stream talking about the film beforehand. Uh, and then it will be on Redacted's YouTube channel on Monday. Uh, and we, we did edit a sort of more, less graphic age appropriate version of the film for younger audiences so that it won't be age restricted on YouTube, which is what happened to our trailer we released back in June. It was age restricted. Obviously, we have a lot of problems with YouTube and their censorship. I understand the age restriction a little bit, and I think it was just about some dead bodies. So we made a version that is is good for 16 year olds, um, and uh, you know, and but millions of other people will be able to watch it as well because they don't have to log in. So hopefully it'll be seen by a lot of people there. Uh, so all very exciting. Uh, oh, and it'll be at the sorry one more thing, the San Francisco Bay Area Film Festival on Monday the 11th as well. Um, so the last film showing that on, on the evening of the 11th. Excellent. And for, and for people who are in the New York area who are interested and available, where can they find out more information about how to attend? Yes. Uh, if you go to IC911.org, uh, right there on the homepage, you will see a link to the uh, New York premiere page uh, on Eventbrite. Uh, so, yeah, IC9, IC911.org. 
Excellent. And speaking of IC911.org, as you say, this is a new uh, uh, foundation that you just started this year that's uh, obviously continuing the legacy of people like Dr. McQueen and uh, other 9-11 researchers. Tell us about IC911, what it's involved in, and what you have planned for the coming years. Yeah, so this this organization has been around actually since 2008. It was uh, the, founded as the International Center for 9-11 Studies uh, by an attorney named James Gourley, who was involved in uh, quite a bit of scientific research back in those days. He co-authored a number of papers with Stephen Jones and Kevin Ryan and, and others. Um, and uh, he, I think most notably, the, the center uh, hosted the Toronto hearings in 2011 and issued the Toronto report a year later. Uh, it, it went mostly dormant for, you know, eight to 10 years after that, after the Toronto report came out. Uh, and then I approached uh, James and, and Graham McQueen, who was on the board of the organization, about sort of re revitalizing the organization and actually connecting it with um, the Journal of 9-11 Studies, uh, which, you know, Kevin Ryan has been the editor there since 2006, along with the other people over the years, uh, as well as the 9-11 Consensus Panel. And trying to bring these three sort of three organizations together under one umbrella, so that people can more easily find all of this excellent research that's been published over the years, and then we can repackage it, you know, in a more more modern way, and and that. So so it's a first and foremost sort of a clearinghouse, but uh, for all of this research. But it's also the Journal of Studies is active again. We're publishing new papers. We're publishing one today actually uh, by Ray McGinnis. Uh, and then we're doing we're doing other things. Some of the things that I was involved in when I was still at AE Island Truth, I've carried over. Um, and so one of those is like the inquest that that we are helping the family of uh, Jeff Campbell, who died on 9-11 in the North Tower, to open a new inquest um, into his death. Uh, it's been a it's been a bit of a saga now. Uh, and most most recently, the UK attorney general denied the family uh, the new inquest that they really are entitled to under the law. Um, and so we are uh, the, the Campbell family is actually essentially suing or appealing the decision of the attorney general, and they managed to raise the funds to do that. Um, it's quite expensive to litigate this type of um, issue in the UK, uh, but they've managed to raise the funds. And, and on Friday the 8th uh, or Monday the 11th, one or the other, depending when they're ready, they will be sending this letter to the UK attorney general, sort of taking the next step saying, if you telling them to like change their decision or, or they're going to appeal the UK, the, the attorney general's decision. So that's another thing. So we're involved in sort of legal type things. Um, educational efforts like this film and other things and then and then research so research action research education action is kind of our the three pillars of our activities and people will be able to follow that uh that appeal etc on ic911.org yes they will yeah we'll we'll be sending out news about it um when when this this first step happens i mentioned later this week um, and just if you go back to ic911.org, you can hear about this anytime. Um, it's 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 a bit of t it's a bit of a story to get into, but essentially this opportunity to get a new inquest uh, is really the best the best opportunity that that there is right now, at least, to actually get a new investigation in a court of law. The law the law in the UK is is um, very tailored to making this happen, to allowing families to get a new inquest. And the first inquest in 2013 for Jeff. Uh, concluded that the building collapsed because of the airplane impact. And so the family is trying to get the new inquest and get a coroner to ultimately rule that the cause of his death was not the airplane causing the collapse, but rather controlled demolition bringing down the building. Uh, and so that would be a monumental step if we managed to make it happen. And as as pessimistic as we should, as, as skeptical as we should be of the legal system, there really is a good chance of this, this inquest happening. And that's why we're appealing the attorney general's decision, because they basically broke the law and not allowing the, the family to, to have a new inquest. 
Is there a newsletter that people can sign up to or some other way to follow IC911's work? Yeah, so on our website, IC911.org, uh, it's very easy. You'll see a subscribe button uh, pretty, pretty clearly right there at the top. Um, you can also follow the organization. We're probably most active on Twitter, but also on Facebook and, and some of the other social media platforms. Um, so yeah, IC911.org, it's all there. Please subscribe. Uh, we, we're sending out multiple updates a week right now. It's a very active time. So Excellent. Well, I, I assume we will have the chance to follow up again in the future and some of your projects and things that's going on there. But I guess on a, on a closing note, on a more personal or overview note, Ted, what is it that keeps people like yourself and myself and Dr. McQueen and others interested in and passionate about pursuing the truth of 9-11 more than two decades after those events, when many people would argue whatever happened, happened, and it, the political movement a moment has passed. Um, why is 9-11 still an important issue for people to be pursuing? It's a good question. Maybe hard to answer in a minute or two, but I, I would say that I would say that there is still a chance, a very a good chance, in my opinion, that the that the truth, much of the truth, will come out uh, if we keep fighting for it. And if it does, I think it has the the potential to completely reshape the world that we live in in a, in a positive way. Uh, there will be a lot of trauma. Uh, it will be maybe a difficult time politically, uh, but I, I think overall it will result in a more skeptical. Uh, populace, um, which is a good thing. Um, and ultimately, I think in a more peaceful and just and, and democratic and free society. Um, and so it's, I know it, it, it's an uphill battle and a lot of people maybe are, are losing hope. That's uh, understandable, but I continue to have hope. And I, I think that it's, there are many issues that are connected to 9-11, obviously, but I think this one is, is uniquely potent if we are able to get the truth. And, and I think that you know, I think it's possible, but we can make it happen now in the next five, 10 years and not in, not 50 years from now. So, Well, as I say, I think that is the message that Peace, War, and 9-11 puts forward in a very comprehensive, very compelling way. So I hope people will check it out. Obviously, all the links to everything that we've discussed will be available in the show notes for this conversation in case you missed them, but ic911.org is probably the best way to find out more information about this organization and the various things that it's involved with. I think we'll leave the conversation there for today, but Ted Walter, thank you for your time and thank you for thank you for having the foresight to be able to put together and produce this documentary as, as the tribute to Dr. McQueen. Myself and many other people are very grateful for that. Thank you, James, and thank you for all that you do. Really appreciate your work. When people say you can't abolish war, it's with us forever, I say, well, we haven't tried very hard yet. Don't think about war as an event or a series of events. Think about it as a system, tumor on human society, and as something that people die for and kill for and create all kinds of havoc for. It profits people, it profits companies. It profits elites. And this group of hawks was very influential in the 9-11 events and what came after that. The American people are willing to fight wars if their blood is up, if their blood is boiling hot. Well, what is it that triggers that phase change.
This created mass murder. In public, 3,000 people were killed. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. It was a horrific crime, and it was extremely shocking to people who watched it. Now we have an enormous explosion now in the remaining World Trade Towers center. Boom, 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 boom. And as the bombs were gone, people just started running. I just turned around, and I just started running for my life. terrorist attack is attack that is meant to cause terror, especially politically useful terror. The question is, who were the terrorists? Americans reasonably wonder, how long will it last? The answer is that many of these changes we made are permanent, at least in the lifetime of most of us.